0: Welcome to The Source from the ATA, conversations about telehealth and virtual care from the thought leaders, experts, and visionaries who are working to change the way the world thinks about healthcare. My name is Joe Kavidar, the president-elect of ATA, and I'm honored to serve as a program chair for the ATA Annual Conference. This is a critical time in our history, and there's no better time than now to prepare for the future of healthcare that will most certainly include telehealth, And there's no better organization than ATA to convene our industry, hospital systems, healthcare professionals, telehealth solutions providers, payers, investors, government officials, and other stakeholders, and move adoption forward. So with that in mind, I'm thrilled today to welcome Grant Chamberlain to the podcast. Welcome, Grant. Thank you, Joe. I'm really excited about being here. Grant is a Managing Director in the Corporate Finance Healthcare Practice of Ziegler. With over 20 years of investment banking experience, Grant has advised some of the leading healthcare systems, including Sharp Healthcare, Cedar sinai and Baylor Health, along with several of the most innovative mHealth companies, including Airstrip, MDLive, and Volt. Prior to Ziegler, Grant led the mHealth sector coverage at Raymond James. Which included telehealth, remote monitoring, and wireless healthcare solutions. After spending 15 years advising H.C.I.T. and tech-enabled outsourced services companies on a broad variety of M&A, joint venture partnerships, and private financing, additionally Grant was a principal at Shattuck Hammond Partners prior to it being acquired by Morgan Keegan. He was also part of the corporate finance group of General Electric. Capital Corporation, and the Financial Services Division of GE Medical Systems. Grant currently serves as treasurer of the ATA Board of Directors and is a board member for the MAVEN Project, a nonprofit organization focused on using telehealth to transform healthcare access for underserved populations. So delighted to have you with us today, Grant, and I'm going to launch right in because I'm excited to... uh, To have this discussion with you you're considered Ziegler's virtual care expert and have authored three white papers deconstructing the telehealth and virtual care industry and I've mentioned to you before that I point people to those white papers all the time as as sort of of state-of-the-art when it comes to uh, an investment bank view of the world so I think very highly of that work Uh, in the third installment published this past January there's one section in particular that I want to explore a little bit deeper, and it's very specific. But on page 24, you talk about teleoncology and virtual clinical trials and identify this as a high-growth segment. So can you give us an overview of what exactly a virtual clinical trial looks like and what makes you so passionate about moving that space forward? Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. that
1: was a, a wonderful, very long introduction. But To some degree, plays to the theme as to why I have, to to some degree, been so passionate about where the intersection of oncology and virtual health align. Uh, In the past 25 years of my practice, there's been sort of two parallel paths. One, I've done, you know, probably 20 plus deals in the oncology space, both IT, lab, trials, and physician practice management work and as you know we've discussed I've, I've been one of the a leading bankers both advising early stage and later stage companies in the telehealth space and there's real parallels because the leaders in the oncology space are really navigating access workflows data management content management and and one area for differentiating one practice another is having fluid access continued access and utility of clinical trials and research, and as I, you know, step back, you know, to me, one of the benefits of virtual care is really the ability to deliver care where and when people need it, and in a place that is comfortable and conducive to their environment, and especially in oncology, if you think about a, a, a clinical trial, why make a patient get out of bed or leave their home to do periodic Visits that you know maybe 60, 70 percent of it could be done virtually, and if you bring on that aspect of it, you know, the expansion of it certainly beyond oncology. And oncology was an obvious area to start because virtual health fits wonderfully into oncology care management, which is essentially oncology's ACO, you know, um, value-based payment infrastructure. But if you think about it from a clinical trial standpoint it's almost some of the, the sickest most frail participants that are part of a trial and if you can deliver that care you know why why wouldn't you do it this way but more importantly you know one of the things we're always looking for in virtual health is a return on investment and there's probably no identif- more better identifiable area to a capture a return on investment is if one if you can expand the catchment area of a trial you know, on it, it enhances the success and the speed. If you can keep trial participants on the trial, you know, utilizing it, you know, the tools and technologies, you know, that allow for, you know, better adherence and compliance, you know, it lends itself to, you know, a, vir- a, a virtual platform to you know, drive, you know, many of the different tools and technologies that are associated with what we think about telehealth and why it fits really ideally and uniquely in a clinical trial setting. Um, I think your ability to recruit and, and, and draw patients in is enhanced. Your, certainly your ability to keep them on trial is enhanced. And to some degree, even creating caregiver and family member access and, and solutions is substantially enhanced if you have a, you know, some of the attributes that are inherent in the telehealth infrastructure. So, you know those. Those are sort of the basic blocking and tackling elements of it. But, you know, it's not just obviously in oncology. This is something that can work across all spectrums. and It's one of the reasons why I finally put it in my last white paper is I've been feeling in the oncology space, whether it was U.S. oncology or one oncology and a couple of leading centers of excellence, leaning into a recognition that if they want to be recognized as a leader in the space, they need to be you know certainly active in clinical trials, and why not use this infrastructure as part of their tool sets? And so there's been a a, a lot of momentum in the last you know twelve to eighteen months in the space. And as we're gonna to speak to through next, COVID has put rocket
0: fuel in that. Excellent. What would you say uh are well let, let's let's say it this way. So you, you've you've talked a bit about some of the benefits, um, and there may be others that you wanna highlight, but but Contrast that with me with any, any potential downsides or, or things that we have to mitigate to, to put uh, clinical trials in the virtual space?
1: Well, as, as you can imagine, you know, clinical trials has a regulatory and safety bar that is much higher than others. You know, IRBs and, and other and FDA and other regulatory bodies are, you know, constantly looking and monitoring these studies because, you know, they have to fall, fall into exceedingly tight guidelines. And, you know, part of the reason that, you know, I want to get the ATA to be at the front edge of driving, you know, a level of structure into virtual clinical trials is that we should be looked at as the curator in the gate bureau, divine and bringing disparate groups together to say, here are the safety standards, here are the protocols, here are the guidelines, to ensure that come, starting out of the gate, we don't have you know, parties that are out there, to some degrees, what's happening on you know, a, a lot of aspects of telehealth right now because of COVID, you know, without structure or you know best practices, and so I, I think there is a risk of process being you know driven because of the necessity for bringing virtual into the, the current world of COVID. But I really think that there is you know, more demand for some of the attributes of a organization like the ATA or any other body to establish standards and protocols and safety to ensure that you know, there aren't, you know, I don't want to say bad actors, but there aren't bad results coming out of the trials.
0: And, and is is uh, I know one of the things we always grappled with uh in the past and thinking about this was authentication. Are there, are there better now strategies that allow us to make sure that the patient that, that we're getting the information on is the person we think it is?
1: Yeah, There is. I think, you know, the, the beauty of
0: whether it's the
1: digital and or, you know, the, the tools, technology that are available that historically were done, you know, via call or via, you know, pads of paper, you know, there is a, a significant level of benefit of multi-step authentication, as well as, you know, bringing in, you know, different tools, whether it's video, whether it's, you know, other aspects of ensuring credentialing and ensuring the safety and quality of the test and the trial itself. So, you know, the the, the tailwinds broadly of what's going on in telehealth, you know, the beauty of what I see and you talk about all the time in the full ecosystem of telehealth is things that were difficult to do before are becoming essentially standards of care and are becoming, you know, to some degree, you know, as easily integrated into the workflows of historically very difficult workflow paths. So, you know, I I do believe we are at it at a collision of a number of positive forces in telehealth and in virtual care and to some degree in, and they play into what's going on in the, in the trial space.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's an exciting time. So you mentioned also, I want to follow up on another thing you said earlier and get you to elaborate a bit more. You mentioned that you felt like ATA should be on the forefront. Say more about what that might look like and, and how that's, uh, how that's coming about. Given what to take
1: place in COVID, you know, you know I certainly I had it in the white paper, and I had been pressing a number of the oncology players and other participants to sort of be a you know a leader in the space. And then, you know, as you know, you know there's a handful of players that have been sort of pushing this at a real early stage, companies like Thread and Medable and, and Lightship. But there, there's now been, as everything is taking place in, in telehealth broadly. A, a system-wide recognition that virtual trials should be part of the fabric of how clinical trials may and may well be delivered in the future we stepped back and said you know maybe this is a good time and i brought it to the executive committee and the board and i said for us to think about you know bringing a, a, a broad cross sections of players together to form a new special interest group or new initiative that Anne is pressing forward that could you know build a framework for establishing some of those baseline tools so we have we've put together a document that we've proposed to the the board that and we are you know beginning the process of reaching out to you know interested parties and i think it's a, a you know we want to bring in a broad cross section of participants from you know large CROs, to sponsors, to IRBs, to the FDA, you know to, you know large academic medical centers and some of the players that you know are, you know leading the efforts the, the one on colleges the US and colleges and others that are driving this, even the consultants, the PwC's, the EY's, the Delo- Deloitte's and the lab companies because all those parties have a role in ensuring that the delivery of these tools and these solutions are again you know, have, have basic sets of requirements from safety standards, you know, protocol guidelines. And so that if, if possible, if we can similar to what's happened in the behavioral health SIG and some of the Durham SIG so that you can establish a place for parties to point to to say, you know, if you are following the standards, the guidelines that are requisite on the ATA's website, God bless. And, and it, and it just continues to increase both the visibility and the value of. This effort, and to some degree, hopefully pulls in some some new constituents into the ATA that historically have been either on the periphery or are directly engaged, but you know not you know as active in a sig or an initiative as this could be.
0: Well, it's pretty exciting. It reminds me a little bit in in a parallel effort that I've been excited to try to bring in the home uh, lab testing industry into the ATA. I think what we're seeing now is that there's. People are you? We're broadening the aperture from standard, just regular old uh, healthcare delivery, which is of course growing as well, but to other ancillary uh, industries, ancillary um, tools, which is very, very exciting. I think so. Very well, very well said. And, and we look forward to seeing those uh, both of those uh, flourish. And I know the the um, effort on clinical trials is already off to a good start. So that's that's wonderful news. Uh, i want to turn now and and talk to you a little bit about um your your day job the um the market uh place for m a and um, activities around m a and ask you two questions really and and you can blend the answers but one is about the pandemic and how that affected that world and and i guess maybe it's a four grid i didn't think of it this way but but there's before and after, and then there's telehealth and just other other healthcare. You know what's going on in the marketplace in healthcare generally. So four part question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts and what's going on uh, in those in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, you know, as,
1: as everything you know been impacted by COVID, you know, the M and A world, the capital raising world has is really you know. Had to adjust dramatically. Um, and, and, and there's some areas that are thriving and building momentum. Honestly, we, uh, we just closed a transaction last week for a new level five member of the ATA, Central Logic. Um, and I, I witnessed, you know, both aspects of where telehealth and, you know, technology are thriving and benefiting from COVID is, you know, Central Logic, creates what I think is one really important aspect of telehealth in general is access management. How do you create tools and technologies that move the patients around the environment, especially high acuity patients, the level of efficiency that, you know, bringing forward, you know, both emergency uh, and on-call scheduling, bed availability into a seamless access center, builds on the themes that are essentially what we're talking about with telehealth is how do you create a digital front door and an access point to ensure, one, that everybody in the, all the providers in the workflow are optimized and operating at the top of their licensure. And uh, so transfer management was one area we've seen, you know, we we had an enormous response to that and had a lot of parties diving in. I've never closed a deal in my history without the sponsor actually going to the facility or meeting the management team, but they saw the attributes, the benefits of what that client was built, building in art. That you know we've we adjusted on the fly to meeting the demands, and you know we're, we're able to close it in the midst of this exercise. You know very well. We are seeing other areas that you know one of them that we we speak in the white paper of what are the you know real driving forces that in hot areas of telehealth. One is behavioral health. You know, we we have you know a lot of deals that have you know either were in process or building in the behavioral health space that are you know are seeing enormous you know interest. So the the the, the M and A world itself is trying to figure out how to how to navigate and manage you know while you can't go visit and you can't see facilities or do, and that's not easy to do. But you know as we're we're finding ways around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and the key areas that are, you know, really important, especially because of what's taking place with COVID that I, our, are, our are areas like behavioral health that, again, behavioral health brought, you know, stretches over the whole continuum of where tools, technologies bring. And I think even uh, as we've discussed in the, in the, uh, clinical trials SIG, you know, one of the aspects of virtual clinical trials can be the, the ability to plug in and bring, if needed, behavioral health to help people through the trial and help people ag- ag- acknowledge so that one, maybe, you know, if it's untreated or undiagnosed, why not help them through it? So, you know, you can, one, either deal with it deal with it in, in right in hand and keep them on the trial if possible. Um, so you know, behavioral health is is, being a, is, a, is an enormous beneficiary of this. You know, to some degree, as our players that are dealing with rural health and, and, and access management players like Avira E-Care, you know, is enormous momentum right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do You have opinions on uh, everyone is, is asking, so I might as well ask you as well. Do You have opinions on uh, how much of the regulatory uh, relaxation will stay in place versus be clawed back?
1: Um, I, I, think, and as people keep using, I used it really, I think, I think (laughs) that trying to put the genie back in the bottle is going to be impossible. And the the best thing about this is generally is just brute force awareness and engagement and utilization by so many constituents are seeing the aspects of this. I think the, the vast majority of the regulatory reimbursement, licensure thing, you know, that have been important, you know, beneficiaries of this, I think most of those will stick and or you know, put some gas in, you know, some of the licensor packs and other things that will solidify it long term. My guess is the one area that, you know, probably should fall back is some of the HIPAA right, you know, loosening that, you know, we need to have, you know, there, there is a reason why the infrastructure that all these companies invest this money in has taken place is it's not easy to do. There's, there is enormous amount of, you know, both safety, structure, uh, revenue cycle and evidence and data management that are embedded in most of the players that are part of the ATA and there are vendors that isn't doing it on you know Zoom or doing it on Facebook is, or others are, is interesting, but that can't, in my mind, survive long-term. And, and some aspects of you know, the nature of controlled substances are going to be navigated back you know, in my mind. But I think the vast majority of the benefit is going to just continue to build. And to some degree, there's a, a an incremental laundry list of areas that the ATA and the policy board has been pushing, you know, with um, HHS and Deputy Secretary Hargan and Will Brady to say, you know, let's let's not lose this momentum and let's continue to build off of that. And there's a number of areas that we are actively pursuing to build off of.
0: Well, Grant, it's um an honor to be uh, your colleague. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast and thanks so much for spending the time with us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. This is wonderful. I, unfortunately, I, I can't say I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at the conference, but I know we'll see each other and listen to each other virtually often.
0: Grant will be pre- a presenter at the ATA annual meeting in which is taking place this year virtually, June 22 through 26. And I encourage each of you To block the time on your calendar, we have a jam-packed agenda with over 200 speakers, 75-plus sessions, an interactive exhibit experience, networking opportunities, and a research track, including poster sessions to offer CME. For more information or to register, go to the website gotelehealth.org. Thanks for listening
1: to The Source from the ATA. We want to hear from you. What topics should we cover? Who would you like to hear from? To share your comments and suggestions, and for more information about the ATA, telehealth, and virtual care, please visit our website, americantelemed.org, and our American Telemed accounts on LinkedIn and Twitter. Finally, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast on your favorite platforms. It really makes a difference. Copyright 2020, ATA. All rights reserved.